Welcome to the Carefree Black Nerd Podcast, a conversation about representation in comics and related media. I am your host, Rain Coleman, here back again with another podcast. We're discussing a movie this time around, the movie Emergency. So you going out tonight, B? Yeah, got a pass to underground. Are you guys? Yeah, yeah, we're just going to go to a couple parties. and. It took me three weeks of ass kissing just to get into one. Oof, a lot of butt. So... Good thing you didn't get pink eye. Dumb, 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 151, rum in a blunt, young. A legendary tour. We're going to seven parties tonight, bro. You should take it easy. Don't get Kunle into any trouble. That boy's black excellence. Oh, come on, come on. If we only going to have five minutes when we get back to pregame, change, and leave. Where's Carlos? There's an unconscious white girl in our living room. What? Okay, okay, she's she's alive. We should call 911. Hey, stop! Are you crazy? We didn't do hey, anything hey, wrong. We don't have to do nothing wrong, Kool Night. The cops are not gonna listen. They just go come in here and see three brown guys hanging over this little white girl. We looked everywhere, and we can track her on your phone. We can't just leave her somewhere. We take her to the hospital. Shotgun. I told you we should just call 911, but you It looks like she's in that car. The hell is going on? We don't know who she is. Actually, she just told me that she's in high school. Think about it statistically. How many people actually get shot by the cops? It's like really, really unlikely, right? No, what are you no, talking no. about? 911, what is the nature of your emergency? So this is an interesting one. So how do we start? Uh, When you're listening, use the hashtag CBNPod. Let me know you're out there listening. Uh, This will be a spoiler review. There will be spoilers. If you have not watched, streamed, cinemaed the movie, I mean, you can listen. There will be spoilers. Or you can come back after you've seen it. My heart won't be broken. So, Emergency is a movie that I actually recently heard about. So, kind of, sort of. This is something that was recently brought to my attention uh, by a young lady was like oh have you seen this movie or whatever and I was like no I've never heard of this but when I actually looked at the movie looked at the synopsis looked at like the promotional material I was like oh no I have heard of this I just didn't know it was called emergency maybe like maybe a month or so ago I want to say I heard about it either way emergency Ready for a night of legendary partying, 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 three college students must weigh the pros and cons of calling the police when faced with an unexpected situation. Okay, so this is a movie that is streaming on Prime. It started streaming, was it May 27th? Um, But it had been in select theaters as of May 20th. And this was something that was a Sundance, Sundance film? It will, it premiered on Sundance and who is the director? The director is 
Kerry Williams. The writer is KD, and I'm going to... Oh, Davila. I believe that's how you pronounce her name. She's a, a Mexican-American uh, screenwriter from L.A. Um, Kerry Williams, however, is a black man. He is... Um, he is the, the director, and it was very important to me with this particular movie. It was very important that I figure out who was behind the making of this movie. Because off of the trailer alone, I had very mixed feelings about it. Um, I want to say this started off as a short film, and then it was added... Um, other scenes or other content was added to make it a feature length film and it's it's interesting so with the cast what I said was I was going to watch it regardless because RJ Siler he plays the character Sean and I am a stan a fan of this man um, he played Billy on the Power Rangers reboot and he was also in an arc on Black Lightning, you know, the show I reviewed with Cole Jackson. Ah, oh, man, that was, yeah. So, anyways, he was one of our favorite characters. I believe his name was Todd. And some things happened to him there that we were not happy about. And uh, he's just a very charming person. Uh, and act from what I've seen, I like all the roles that he's uh, played and occupied. Nothing has been too... Um, much I'll say but then there's also Donald Elise Watkins now I can't say that I've seen him in anything he um he's in a sh movie Black Box he was in Supercon Free State of Jones Get On Up mm, he was in Get On Up okay uh he was in Pitch Perfect so I'm thinking that maybe these were smaller smaller roles cause I don't his face looks kinda sorta familiar in a sense that it's a, you know, familiar face. Not that I just recognize him from something. But he plays Kunle in that character. I enjoy it as well. Then there is Sebastian. And I'm, I don't want to butcher his name. But I think it's um, Chason. C-H-A-C-O-N. He plays Carlos. This man. He. Yeah. He did what he needed to do. Um, The film was interesting okay so in short Kunle Kunle is like a I don't know biologist or something and so he's working on his thesis which either is or includes this particular bacteria that he's been working on it doesn't specify how long if so maybe I missed that part um, where he's working on maybe keeping the bacteria alive to add to or to be his thesis and then you have Sean, who is supposed to be like the party boy. I don't even know what his major is. And then Carlos is an engineering major. So there's a legendary party, legendary tour, where uh, these two guys, Kunle and Sean, are trying to hit seven parties in one night. Now, for me, I was like, okay, that shouldn't be too difficult you just go into a party for like 20 minutes and then go to the next one but that though i was disconnected from that part of the plot i understood what they were doing and it felt like a lot of the 
like buddy, wild college, wild night type of storyline. So that didn't bother me. It was just like, mm, okay, there's seven parties. I think what would have made that better is if there was more emphasis on like the types of parties and how, why this is such a feat. Now for them, they were trying to get on the wall of first, which is, you know, you're the first person to do something. This happens by whatever you get put up on a wall. And I thought that was just like for the black folks at this school, but apparently not. Um, they were trying to be the first black guys to complete the legendary tour. And that's where it kind of fell apart for me. And I think this could have been an entirely different movie had that have been the main plot. And my disconnect is that they have these seven parties. Sean even goes into details about the types of parties they are. And then there's like one where they were going in the back door and knocking on the door to get to some room. And then like the ultimate party to end on was the underground. And it was established that that is a party that they tried to get into when they were freshmen, uh, Kunle, Sean and uh, Carlos. And then they were kicked out. Like Carlos got stuck in a window trying to sneak in. But in my head, I'm thinking, well, you can just go to seven parties, but it wasn't established that like okay if you're not in by a certain time this party locks you out or you have to have a password for this party and then this party you have to know someone like it so it wasn't enough to take me out of the entire movie but i was like this is i don't know odd but then i'm also not in college i'm not some 21 year old kid in college living it up on my last senior spring break party um you guys let me know if you've seen it like did did that feel like and am i making too much of this or do you agree with me because i was like oh, this is this is something so what happens is <laughs> so it's established that kunle is uh african i believe i mean he's american but i believe he may be like first or second generation and he's on the phone with his mother who i think is a dentist and his father is a dentist his father's a doctor or something but they're talking about oh how oh you could you're going to princeton and this then the third and you gotta do well and whatever and then it's also established that you know he comes from a, a wealthier background than sean and sean is from quote unquote the hood and he's you know a hood boy he vapes and and kunle's mom sees him on instagram vaping and oh that's bad for you and i don't like you hanging out with that boy and this is I'm just like okay um i guess i get why it was added but i don't know it was a bit tired to me i'll say when i first turned this movie on even after watching the trailers I was like, where the hell is this set? For a second, I honestly thought they were in the UK. Uh, Kunle and Sean go to their, ooh, forget the name of the class. It was something wild, like offenses and language or something. But they go into this class and the professor is British. She's English. So she has an accent. And that's not even why I thought they were in the UK. Just when the movie opened and then when she came in, that kind of added to it. I was like, where the hell are they? So there's only two black folks in the class. She gets to walking in talking about, well, you know, you read the syllabus. There's a trigger warning. Did y'all, does everyone understand it? She said it a couple of times, like essentially getting consent to discuss this topic. While she's doing that, Sean is in the back texting on his phone, getting uh, passes for the underground for him and Kunle. Then she turns on her monitor and there is 
the word nigger from the one wall to the other, like bold, biggest shit. And so she's like, oh, you know, nigger this, nigger that, and this, and I'm, I'm being funny, but it's not like, it, she said it a few times, she's like, well, why do you, why do we think this word is just such, I don't know, like, the whole movie, I was, it really, it, it was really RJ that got me through the beginning of this movie, because I was not going to watch, I literally watched because of him, and because I am, um, I'm a fan of his and his work. And I was like, okay, there has to be, there has to be something to make this pay off. And the conversation was had, and I, I, I can kind of see what was being said there and how they were. I can see why something like that scene would have been added, but I was, it still to me was like, what is this? Like, why, why is this? What purpose does this serve? I I understand that it serves one purpose of like literally calling out a thing as a thing. The word nigger. Why is it? Why does it have this um, negative connotation? And why is it this powerful word? And what gives it power? This I get that, but I don't know that this was the movie to address that um, because we ne- that's never revisited. And the other thing that's funny is that the only time nigger or nigga was uttered throughout the movie it was sean and it was sean talking to kun lay in a very black comfort um language type of setting deal whatnot it was never the racist of the movie saying this it was never something like i I don't i don't know i have to sit with that a bit more but i I don't think that was needed because if you're giving this social commentary movie and what you are giving to the audience is this, look at this take on racism, modern day racism and how it manifests to bring up the word nigger. And it was, and even variations nigger. Cause she even mentioned that a few times and they got into a little argument about it. Sean and, um, Kunle, where he's like, oh, you need to ask her. And Kunle's like, well, she did, you know, mention the trigger warning, this and that. And I'm not even saying the conversation can't be had. But with this movie, I personally don't see where that scene mattered. Like, if you literally cut out that scene and you pick up in the very next, um, it's still, I would say, within the first couple minutes of the film, but where. Kunle Sean and oh, what's that white girl's name? There's a girl who, um, a white girl who was in the class who Kunle has a crush on. What is her name? I don't know, and they don't have it listed here. But she, they all talk about you know going out to parties tonight and this and that. And she was like, oh yeah, that was weird, right? And he was like, yeah. She was like, oh, if you want to, we can. You know, if you want to start a rally, we can. But you know, no, no pressure. No, I was like. If you had to put them in just an English class and fast forward to this part, nothing is lost on like nothing about the movie changes. And that to me is like, are you using this for like shock value or what is the point? <clears throat> and I'm not even saying I'm advocating for just more people in the movie saying nigger, but it's the fact that it was brought up. It was made such a big deal. I love it. And then it never came back around the racism part nothing about the movie changes if you cut out that scene and so with no one bringing up that word later on 
especially no one in a position to be the racist person. I was like, okay, well, what? Why? So that's my take on that. So they, uh, they, Sean and Kunle, they go to the lab where Kunle is working on his thesis. And he's like, yeah, Sean, you got to get your stuff together. You got to work on your thesis too. And for a lot of this movie, it felt like these were high school students. The movie to me did not do a well enough job to like firmly plant them in college. And that's so weird saying it's about a movie that is set in college and you see the like dorms and whatnot, but you don't spend a lot of time there. And this is set up in a way that, and I don't think it's really like, oh, they did so terrible. It may just be me and my um, history with like high school movies. Cause there is a certain uh, plot point of, everyone not everyone uh but sean's ex-girlfriend speaking to him about not making trouble with kun lay because in her words that boy's going somewhere he's black excellence right there some of that stuff felt very heavy-handed and weird because it's like we're all in college like true enough there are some people who go on to more college after they graduate you know they get their masters and doctor and all that and some people don't finish college and so and i get that but the way this movie set up this college and these characters is that we're in their senior year the first semester going into spring break these folks are working on their thesis at one point sean mentions i don't even have a job lined up after school in reference to Kunle having been accepted into Princeton and all this other stuff. So it's, it's making you like it, they're setting up that these are cottage seniors. So if we're cottage seniors to the point where we're about to graduate, why in the fuck would I give a damn about Kunle being, oh, that's black excellence right there. He going somewhere. What the fuck do you mean? We've all gone somewhere. We've all made it through fucking college. We're a semester away. They made it seem like this is some high school movie where Sean is in this bad crowd and Kunle is the one kid in the hood who got a chance to get out and make you something of himself. And don't you dare drag him. Down. I was like, what? What the hell are you talking about? We are so... That was very weird too. And again, I'm, I I don't want to put this on a movie entirely, even though I feel like I should. And you listeners let me know, is it me? Especially those of you who have seen it. Is it me and just the way I'm interpreting that based off of like high school, coming of age, get out the hood type movies and shows? Or did it really come off that way to you as well? Um, yeah, I, that was weird. Um, a lot of it felt like, like even that comment and that little scene that was shared between Sean and his girlfriend felt like this would have been a series or another installment of a, a second part to a movie. Like if these very same characters in the first movie were in high school and then the second movie they're in college. It's it's I don't know. I don't know. But it, it felt a little odd. So the other thing is and this again could be me just picking but I feel like when it came to college students in college having dorms and then those who had their own apartment, even that felt kind of, I want to say odd, because we had a scene in the dorm where Sean, I think he bought, he bought some drugs. 
don't know. But that's why he ran into his ex-girlfriend. She's like, oh, he's black excellence, blah, 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 whatever. And a lot of people stayed in housing off campus, but nobody was in an apartment. Everyone was in like houses. And that's not unheard of either. But something about this movie, and again, I'm hoping that I just missed it through my watch, but I couldn't even tell where this school was. It felt Midwestern. It felt um, Northeastern, like Philly, not Philly, because uh, they mentioned that Princeton is in New Jersey and it's an hour from Philly. So I know it wasn't in Philly. Um, or shit, maybe, I don't know. It just felt Northern, but it felt. If, I don't know, whatever. It it just felt. They were they're at a PWI, of course. And so after that, we realized when we get ready to go pregame that the cultures that Kunle is having as his... Th- From here on out, I'm going to just say it's his thesis. The cultures, the bacteria cultures are his thesis. And he did not lock the refrigerator. And they put him in a certain refrigerator. It has to stay at a certain temperature. If you don't lock the refrigerator, it might come open. If it comes open, his thesis, bacteria may die. That'll you know, fuck up all his work that he's done. And so we go back Well, we get ready to go back. They go into the house, see this dead white girl laying in their living room. And Carlos, their roommate is in his room with his gaming set up, playing headphones on all that. He's oblivious. So they cuss him out because man, you didn't lock the door. And this girl, she out here and she's drunk and dead. And this and that turns out she's not dead. She throws up. They get into an argument about calling the police and what to do with her. I feel really proud of um, our beginning scene, like us figuring stuff out, right, uh, betwixt each other, like how we're going to solve the problem. Yeah. I'm really proud of that scene. I don't know why, but I just really like watching it. It, it gives, because we give so much of of insight of each other, right, mm. kind of early. Like, Carrie doesn't make you starve to learn the characters. He right. lets you yeah. learn the characters so that you can walk with you know them as another part of mm. the movie i feel um he doesn't make you kind of wait to see who right. who carlos would be he's like no this is who carlos is and this let's is who donald is it. yeah 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 let's see he gives us the opportunity to grow early mm. yeah actually yeah, i agree i think that scene because the movie's going one way you think you know what kind of movie it is and then suddenly everything changes and uh, you have to watch these two people who were just kind of joking and laughing, hanging out, suddenly just like the whole mood. I mean, because of horror movie, we have that shot where where I just like, no, you go, you go, find Carlos. Like, is he dead? What's going on? It's like fear. Yeah. And it's almost funny how how terrible the situation is in that moment. Like, how are we gonna figure this shit out? You know? Yeah. This is where the movie just goes off the rails. I, I know this is like social commentary. I guess it's like a comedy and a thriller. It's a lot. There's a lot. I will say that regardless of how you feel about the movie, the movie does take you through a lot. Um, and that could be a detriment and it could be a plus because you, if you're watching, let's say a comedy, you want a comedy. If you're watching a romance, you want a romance. This gives you a lot. And I don't think that that's necessarily bad, but I don't, really know that I can say I care for a lot of this movie. So Kunle wants to call the police. He's like, hey, we didn't do anything. And Sean's like, hey, we're black and brown because Carlos is Hispanic. Yeah. 
Uh, and he's like, yeah, you know, the police come here. They see three uh, black and brown guys with this drunk white girl. You know, we don't know what they're going to think. And I think that that is a very interesting way to take this movie. And it's very true to life. The only thing. Okay, I'm of two minds. So there's one thing. It's like, do you want this such real life truth and experiences in your movie when it's an escape but it's also my other mind is that art can be whatever the fuck you want it to be and art a lot of times is used to depict and critique and highlight and and explain a lot of situations like this so i'm i can say that i was just disgusted and like turned off by a lot of this movie but even within the things that bothered me like that I can see that there, well, I understand that there's a place for it. And I'm not one to be like, oh, you shouldn't create art. No, fuck it. Like, this is what the story they wanted to tell. It's just for me interpreting that story. And it's like, who is this for? What is this for? Why is this this? Um, Is this a side effect of Jordan Peele and this, you know, particular social commentary horror um, genre-ish thing? Is it just a story that wanted to be told because i would even no lie now that i think about it put this movie in the conversation with the master film they're two different movies in the sense that they their genres are a bit different but they're when it's surrounding race i think i honestly think that those two films may be may work well together even though I had my critiques about that as well. You can check those out. Episodes 99 and 100 of Carefree Black Nerd Podcast with uh, JJ, Jupiter Judo 24. She uh, came on and discussed the film with me. So definitely check that out. And I'll probably link that in the show notes. But either way, I think that though I had similar feelings about that movie where it was like, okay, what the fuck are y'all doing? I think these two, these two movies would work well together in viewing anyways. So... They figure out what to do, which is Sean says we're going to dress up like Kunle. Kunle is, for all intents and purposes, Carlton. Very preppy, very um, black guy with Ralph Lauren clothing, where Sean is the quote unquote hood guy. He dresses a bit more urban, a bit more, um, I don't know, just urban shit and then you have carlos who (laughs) has a fanny pack and that's brought up several times in the movie where they hate that fanny pack and he has more of a i don't say loner style more of a i'd say skater just to like give you an idea something in mind like hoodies shorts you know funky socks probably would wear some crocs i could see him wearing some crocs and his fanny pack so they dress up like Kunle. They get home girl into the car. They're calling her Goldilocks. She is passed out, but she's not dead. She throws up on their floor. So she's going in and out of awareness. I was like consciousness, but awareness. And a lot of it, she's just like fucked up. And so they get her in the car. They're driving around. They're in this van. And they're like, hey, she's dressed up. Her outfit was like a skirt and a what do you call that is it a tube top whatever the top is that has no straps at all but it's like from the top of your breast you know to your waist but it's constructed out of like pink tape um cardboard it's a cute little funky outfit but there's a party on campus as part of the seven you know legendary parties is anything but or nothing but clothes mbd nbc 
Oh, anything but clothes. Jesus Christ. ABC, anything but clothes party. So you can wear anything, f- fashion it into clothing, but you can't wear actual clothing. So I like that. I did like that detail. I thought that was done really well. Uh, and so they go on the mystery, like, okay, she was wearing this weird outfit. So she was at the ABC party that's hosted by the uh, Omicron. And I think Omicron was the fraternity. And so they say, we, Sean's like, hey, we can just drop her off and, and go. At this moment, I would like to shout out to Pembroke because this, <laughs> me and him had this discussion over on Twitter. And my thoughts were, I would have left her as well. I would have done exactly what Sean did and I would have left her uh, well, what Sean wanted to do. And I would have left her at, at the Omnicron party because why am I going to risk my health and safety for this random? Well, anyway, well, we'll leave it there. So, yeah. So shout out to uh, Penrose because he, he said it would it, it should have been Omicron and go. And I'm going to title this episode Omicron and go. Uh, so check him out, Penrose Eames, E-A-M-E-S. I'll uh, link his uh, his Twitter handle in the comments, um, I mean, in the show notes. Jesus Christ. But no, so uh, we were you know discussing the movie through a Twitter thread, and to get rid of this white body, they, um, they called her Goldilocks until they learned her name. And Kunle, believing in the greatness and kindness of people and wanting to help her, every step of the way and then Carlos there being a bit of a mediator being the one that's a bit more attentive to Emma and her needs uh, while every while the other two are like trying to figure out the actual the shit the stuff we need to do the car that we need how to get her here where to take her to and this and that and within this night there the thing is there were so many times where this movie could have just ended so many decisions that were made that if you had have just done a different thing, this would have been done. And I get that there would be no movie. But a lot of the times you want to set up things in a way where, yeah, you could have just called the police. But like, what does that mean? What is your reason for not calling the police? Which I think was a very valid reason. Um, I don't... <sighs> Okay, so let's take a sideline for a second. So the girl, Goldilocks, her name is Emma. It's discovered that she is actually not in college with them. She is a high school senior. Um, she was separated from her sister. She was at the ABC party, got, I don't know, drunk or high or something. I don't know what the hell she was on. And, you know, passed out, was at their house. And so as this information unfolds, Carlos is losing his mind. He's talking to the guys. Uh, they pull up at sean's cousin's house and it's in the quote-unquote the hood and they leave carlos in the car with goldilocks slash emma this is where he's getting this information like my sister hates me but whatever and i thought he did a really good job at like the the actor like actually his acting i thought he was stand out he reminded me a lot of adam sandler in his performance in the same way that uh homeboy from bel-air reminds you of will smith like if you when you guys watch this movie, let me know if you see it too. Carlos was very much Adam Sandler, and he and not and this isn't even like a dig. This is like he's doing a great job acting, but I'm seeing this particular actor in you. So I wonder if there's a connection either by like he that was someone he he liked growing up. Is that just like the nerdy persona he took on, or if it's just a happy accident? But 
They go into the house, and when they're speaking with Sean's cousin, this scene is pretty much being used to highlight the difference in Sean and Kunle's life. We don't get Kunle's life uh, visually. We get him on the phone with his mother. We get the clothing he wear. We get, you know, folks on all. He's black excellence. He's going somewhere. We get that. But then we get Sean. We we see you in the hood. We see his uh, threatening black family members, a cousin and cousin friends who are sitting up with their hoodies on and their loud music and their Madden and it's whatever. So, but while Sean goes to the back of the house or wherever he goes to talk to his cousin to try to get his car because while they're transporting this little white girl their taillight breaks they're trying to do everything they can to stay under the radar of the police so let's use my cousin's car then Kunle sits down was forced to sit down by the guys in the room because he's been a fucking weirdo he's just standing up at the door like a damn kid and they're like, and it's it's used to highlight like his stress and being in this particular environment, which I'm not even like mad at that. Like I get that black people are not a monolith. We don't exist as one thing. So you do have some folks who are not used to other folks. But that scene felt so weird, mainly, I guess, because like you're a college student. Are you not ever around different types of people? And then even, no, that aside, have you never sat on a couch before? Like, if I go into the house of some, let's say, hood, thuggish, over-the-top, stereotypical, just guns on the wall, which I can't even say that because none of that was the case. If I go into somewhere new, and this is somewhere new by way of like a friend who I know who I came with. It's not like, oh, I just walked into a random building and oh, I'm not sitting here. I don't, this bothers me so much because it's like, what the fuck is this? Is like, And that's not to say that there aren't people who experience that, whatever the fuck that was. But like, just sit on the goddamn couch. Now they offered him weed and he was like, oh, no, I don't, I don't do that. Okay, that's fine. That's I don't even have an issue with that. I think the couch thing is bothering me a bit. Um... And I would say, oh, maybe he's anxious from the situation, but that wasn't highlighted. Like that wasn't a point in the movie that like my frustration with what's going on is preventing me from like reading social cues. I don't know, whatever. So he goes into the bathroom and like sits in the bathroom on his phone the entire time. And Sean's like, what the fuck are you doing? You was hiding there. He's like, oh no, I wasn't hiding. I just had to use the bathroom, blah, whatever. So this comes up later. They're driving a girl find out that she's um that she's a high school senior and every man in that house every black man in that house gets or only black men in the house they run out and it's a scene that's played for comedy and i can even see that being comical um and i don't really have a huge issue with that portion but there was a conversation had by sean and his cousin and the cousin was like you because he snatched back his keys to the car from Kunle, uh, he said, you can't fucking go with them. Speaking about Carlos and Kunle, he's like, no, you, Carlos and Kunle can get caught up by the police and be fine. Kunle's family is wealthy. Carlos is all right. You cannot be in this situation. <clears throat> and I like that it, it faced, it made, it made Sean face 
the reality of even his words because you are this quote unquote from the hood from the other side of the tracks guy and you're in this college setting and you're doing what you do you're the life of the party this and that and a lot of the stuff that he's hollering and shouting about later on when him and kool-aid get into an argument it's like yeah but your reality like you're saying kool-aid doesn't know because he's so privileged and this and that and you from the hood and this and that and it's like yeah this is what it is and your cousin is absolutely right what what the hell you shouldn't go with them and do this then the third but of course it's his problem too she was found in his apartment his house and so they go off they park to let homegirl go pee and then this white woman was like there was in front of her house and she um called the police and was taking video of them and i was like wait but did she when she called the police I'm expecting the police to show up. The police, again, this feels like it was just like convenient writing. Never showed up until the end of the movie. And so all these times that the police were called by different people, it it was it never nothing ever came of it. So when Homegirl says she had to pee, this part right here was fucking wild. So where they're driving, like when she says this and they do that, um, like establishing, not establishing, well, like establishing shot where it's like from behind and you see the van driving off. They're driving next to a bridge. Like, a, how do I explain this? Like, you know, those when you have an overpass and then there is a, like, it's a residential area above that because of however the the terrain is. And you'll have a bridge. And it's not even necessarily a long bridge, just a, you know, a long enough bridge. And there's a sidewalk. It's like they could have pulled over and just let her pee right there. Um, I get that. Okay, maybe that's too exposed. It's the middle of the night. There's like one car on the highway on the on the street, but they pull over to this wooded area that's in front of this residential street. And how I was thinking was like, this of all places, why would you pull over here? Yes, yeah, late at night, and you wouldn't think that someone would come out. But like the way they're handling race in this film. And the way Sean is so adamant about like not being involved in this because you don't want this to come back to bite you in the ass. It's like, is that a weird place to be? And then you're walking around with this girl half drunk in the woods, two of y'all holding her. It was just, uh, I don't know. I just feel like she could have been dropped off any number of places and just been gone. But they're trying to get her to the hospital. And then there's like a sobriety check stop. So they had to veer off. So it was... All in all, it's a very wild ride. And to speed this up a bit, Maddie is Emma's sister. She is the college student. And she's cussing out her homegirl because they can't find Emma. She said, I haven't seen her. It's been two hours. Uh, Homegirl's with her dude, who's this tall, uh, slender white guy. And they're at the Toga or the ABC party. They're wearing all this weird stuff. I don't know. Whatever. So they're here. She's cussing out the the 911 lady because <laughs> the 911 lady is giving her flag she's like well you saw your sister but you're saying she climbed into the car with someone do you have reason to think that she was pressured and this and that and she's going off cussing at her and it's a whole big ordeal but fast forward to the point where these two groups meet and rafa that's the guy's name the the white guy in the toga and th- this is where it's like the comedy aspect, I suppose, happened. So Maddie and my sister, the uh, her white friend, I forget her name, 
and Rafa, the tall white guy, they're viewing the van because they've pulled over. They're viewing the van and they're showing, they're seeing Carlos and they're seeing uh, Kunle put the girl in the car. So where they're calling the police, like, hey, we called earlier, but this would happen. We found the guys. We don't know where we are. And Rafa says some street, wherever she's like, but they they have her. She looks intoxicated and put her in the van. Now, for me, I'm like, okay, I'm not even mad at this because, again, I understand we I was going to say we live in a time, but shit, this has been going on for eons. Sexual assault, especially on college campuses, is a yeah, we've heard the story. So I'm not, this does not bother me. I guess for me, the bother is that the tone of the movie switches so much, or maybe that's the way I perceived it. But it was like, in that moment, that was a serious moment. And I get that. And then you get Maddie hopping up, getting a stick and running up to the van because she needs to see if her sister's okay. Even that, I'm like, pretty much kind of okay with because it's like y'all don't have a car these folks is in the car y'all on a bike and a skateboard you your sister's right there you don't want her to get away because they've been tracking her phone this whole time there is a point where she sneaks up and gets caught and then she starts hitting uh kunle and sean with a stick carlos is in the van with his headphones in because they've just had this friend argument and all these secrets and came out then that, that's neither here nor there and so he doesn't hear this and she's hitting him and I'm like what is what is this what am I looking at what am I watching what is this and homegirl and Rafa pull up and they're like okay no they pull up <laughs> their flashlight and this is where it was sort of funny but not so they're acting as if they're the police and she puts on this deep voice and shines the light on them and I was like well Rafa's right there not to be funny he's a man why not just have him give the deep voice but I guess maybe her doing it brought the comedy uh but then even her flashing the light was kind of weird because i'm thinking rafa is taller not that there can't be short police officers but you're this short girl you're using this light to blind them i would feel like you would be seen but whatever so they're on the ground and they being rafa no, i'm sorry they're being sean and kun lay and they notice her shoes and they hop up and they all get the argument uh, fucking Maddie didn't pepper spray herself trying to pepper spray them. It was this whole thing. I'm just like, this is weird. Like, on the on the end of the white folks who are trying to make sure that that girl is not being kidnapped, I understand that. So I'm not even like really 100% mad. But then it's also like, I don't find it funny or I don't, the use of like, police weaponizing the police against black people and then impersonating a police like even that and i think both of those things can exist because it's almost like we're telling two different stories and but i don't i don't know i don't know i can't really that shit is weird because they literally made them boys get on the ground on their stomach like of course if i think my sister's being kidnapped and i'm tracking her phone and i get up to the folks yeah i'm gonna call the police the police said don't engage i, I don't i don't know i don't know i'm so i'm i'm not <sighs> that was a weird part of that this movie for me very weird especially when that was a conversation to be had i don't know let me know what y'all think i just 
this is again one of those times I was like, this is such a fucking weird movie. Like, if we can pull over to let this girl walk out and piss, I can just drop her off the fuck somewhere. Should have dropped her off at that Omicron party and just fucking left. But that's me. You're trying to get her to the hospital. I, I get and understand that. Kunle's like, I don't, you know, don't want her to die and this and that. But, like, I also, like, self-preservation, she will be okay. And if not, that's not, I don't know. So they get the argument. They're all yelling at each other. And Carlos gets out the car. And he's like, oh, no, no, what's going on? And him and Rafa know each other. They're cousins. And this part was funny to me. And not haha, like, extremely side-bursting laughter. But the homegirl who was there with Rafa, Rafa's the toga guy, she was like, you and him are cousins? And he's like, yeah. And she was like, but you don't look. And he was like, oh, no, I'm mixed. And that was kind of funny. Um, I know Carlos was like, yeah, he's, um, we tease him about looking white. He didn't look white to me. Now, I know I said the white guy throughout this whole time, but I was like trying to keep that part a secret because this part was funny. But it's like he, <laughs> I don't know, he looked like, I don't know, he just like looked like generic um, guy at Abercrombie or generic guy number three. Like they. I don't know. Their race wasn't really th- that um, for her to make that comment like, oh, but you don't look. It was weird because they look so much alike as far as like features and skin tone. I was like, OK, whatever. But that was kind of funny to me. Uh, but the whole time, Sean is like, hey, I'm not dealing with this. Like we they're, they're here. Her people are here. Let them deal with her. and Let's go. Well, the whole time Emma is in the backseat. Her body is cold. Her sister gets in and she's hollering and screaming at them. She's accusing them of like hurting her. Oh, did they hurt you? This and that. And I, I get all that because like your sister's gone. You need to figure out who these strange people with her. Um, but the thing is, they're explaining or attempting to explain what's going on. So I do get this. My sister is with y'all. I don't know y'all. She don't know y'all. What the fuck is happening? But you're in a space where she's in this car. You're in this car. They have not hurt you. They have not fought you. You pepper sprayed yourself. All the the hurt and pain you got are self-inflicted. And they're explaining the situation to you. And you're not listening. Yes, this is a high energy situation. But you see that your sister is fine. You're able to touch her. You access her. Nobody is threatening you. Nobody's trying to harm you. But your preconceived notions and your ideas got you on one. And even your homegirl's like, okay, look, can we entertain the idea that there's things are not what they seem? And you're still not, like, I'm with Sean pretty much in every step of the way. I'm like, I would have fucking left her. Well, I think I would have checked her for a cell phone, which it was, they, she had a phone, but it was like in her cleavage. Um, and so they never like touched her. And I think that was maybe to signify that as well. But I would have dropped her. I would have dropped this one. I just, I can't say that I would have just kept this girl in my car. I would have definitely been like, hey, drop her in Omicron. Let somebody know or call the police from there or something. Like It was such a weird situation. Um, And so Sean leaves. He gets on the bike that they rode, they being Maddie, that she rode uh, to the van. And he gives the keys to Rafa. He's like, hey, here. 
y'all go. And him and, him and Kunle are like, like this is their breakup moment. And I I saw both, both points of view and I do get this idea of wanting to help and make things right and make things better. Um, I don't know. I just feel like I've, I've never been in that particular situation. I don't know. I just know my, my thought would have been get this motherfucker to a hospital. Um, he leaves. They go to the hospital. So they turn this corner. Everyone's in the car. Rafa, Carlos, Kunle, Maddie, and then Maddie's friend and Emma. And they turn this corner and there's a car sitting there. The car follows them. It's a police car. They turn on their sirens because, of course, the girl's been calling the police this whole time. They follow them. they on this, like, wild police chase. And then they get to the hospital right in front of the emergency room and are at a standstill. Cops hop out. They pull their guns out. This whole time, Kunle is, like, doing CPR. They're singing the Stand Alive uh, chorus to keep on beat. And... <laughs> This ain't funny. But Maddie says when he first starts, she's like, don't fucking sing this song right now. And then her homegirl's like, no, you have to sing that song to keep the the beat to CPR. Like, she explained it to her. And I was like, but that was a genuinely funny moment to me because I'm with her. Like, (laughs) if you don't know, it's like my sister can be dead and you're singing Stand Alive. So whatever they get this uh this standstill and this is where the movie gets even heavier where the police are like get out the car with the hostages and this and that and everyone gets out and yet kunle is still in there like trying to save this girl's life and the police pull up pull his gun out on him and it the way this is shot i thought was so interesting and and that's what the actor he really i know i'm not one who wants to keep constantly rehashing in every single project black trauma and black pain uh and i stand by that a hundred percent but if nothing else this scene like his his acting was so was done so well it's unfortunate that it was like this subject matter but he did a really really exceptional job i feel and he's like, oh, we ain't doing anything wrong. I'm just trying to help. And so this innocence that he once had, because earlier in the movie, he even said, like, how many people get shot by cops? I mean, really, like how, on average. And I was like, this is such a weird take to have for anyone alive today. Like, not even to bring the racial element into it, but just in general, we have this understanding that police oftentimes are fucking incompetent. Like, that's not and then to be like oh I'm, like there's so many instances i don't know it's just i feel like even as a black person of a certain tax bracket like how how are you escaping the very real police shootings that are happening and then not even that just the regular fucking shootings that we have as americans like the the massacre that happened at the damn school down here in texas like how is that a comment to me? Like, how did that make its way into the script? And is that play for laughs or is that play for like actual legitimate ignorance? And even if that's the case, how is that the case? I don't know. But the innocence that he had was like gone, just missing. There's no more of it. And they get him out. They snatch him out of the car. Now, I'll say this. 
again subject matter terrible but the way that that part of the scene was shot it made me think of a lot of horror movies where someone maybe pulled back into a closet or under a bed or the killer got you or monster like that was it was so smooth the way they shot this i was like god damn this is however traumatizing this the shot was like very well done um another thing is we never see the police face the way they use these angles the way they shot this scene you never see the face of a police officer not that i can recall if so maybe a side not a pro was it three quarter but like from behind not even like facial features i thought that was very interesting so he's crying the uh maddie is yelling at the police i'm trying to tell you no he's trying to stay my sister and this and that and it was like needing the cosine of this mm, this is a problem you created maddie like we're in this situation because of you and so he's thrown on the ground gun at his face uh, there's a part of the movie where he's face down, but then like gets up, turns on his back. And this is like for cinematic purposes. And then like there's a drone shot where it's like from his face pulled out into the sky. So you can like see him laying on his back in the frustration. And I was like, if this is a real like police encounter, there's no way you're flipping over on your back unprovoked. Like no one told you to move. I'm like, are they going to kill this boy? it was it was disgusting it, it really was um they're asking about the girl he's the police about they need a medic and all this other it, it was just it was terrible i didn't i didn't need it um at this time sean is going to the different parties and he's like unsatisfied with it so he looks at a picture i think a picture of if it's him and kunle i don't know but he leaves we cut back to Kunle and Carlos sitting on a on a curb. Uh, the police talking to them. He's like, yeah, officer, this, then, the third. He was like, yeah, next time I'll just call the professionals. Which I think there's an argument for having called the police, being college students, they could have just taken care of her. Like college students get drunk and messed up and high and all this other stuff. But there's also that equal, equally um, probable argument that, like, you could have been blamed for the state she was in. And so, to be like, oh, yeah, next time I just call the professionals. I do think that was a legitimate option that could have been taken. But then, of course, we wouldn't have a movie. Um, so, Homegirl lives. So, in the time that Emma is drunk and she's talking with Carlos, kind of, sort of. She reveals that, you know, her sister hates her. And he's like, oh, no, no, she doesn't. She ta- she told me that she does like to calm her down. I thought he did a really good job. And then it also comes out that she's a high school senior. And in Maddie's scenes, Emma's sister, it comes out when she's crying about her sister possibly being dead and in the back of the van. That, oh, I just d- didn't want to be out with a high schooler and... and so I, you know, we ditched her or didn't pay attention to her or something. I'm just like, the very fact that these two black men have this looming dread of being locked up or worse for interactions with the police, for dealing with this little white girl, 
And every single problem in this, not a single problem, but every problem related to this girl and thus, you know, the main plot of the movie is because you don't want to hang out with your high school sister. So you bring her to a frat party and then lose her. Like, this was not good. I honestly did not really care for this movie. It wasn't until the third act and like the last few scenes where Kunle and Sean are in the lab. They discover that Sean slept. He was like, I guess, drunk and high or maybe he was just tired. But he he slept with books under his head and his body pressed against the refrigerator. It was like a little college dorm size refrigerator in the lab to make sure that the door stayed shut. And of course, Kunle's bacteria thesis was saved. That's neither here nor there. But the conversation shared between the two of them was really stressful and touching. Like having these two friends discuss these differences, like Kunle is going to Princeton and he was scared to tell Sean because Sean is under the impression that they're going to live together, be roommates next year when they graduate, like this whole big thing. And they both were apologizing. Sean apologized first for all of his part and everything. And Kunle was like, oh, I'm sorry, I messed up the legendary night and this and that. And Sean told him like, it was never about the parties. It's the fact that when I found out you were going to Princeton, I wanted this last night out with my boy, with my brother, with my friend. And you never told me. He was like, oh, you knew I was going to Princeton? Yeah, nigga, I saw the fucking Princeton big-ass envelope. I knew you got in. And it's that was a very touching scene. And I think that is the payoff for watching that trash mess this whole time. And... I, I'll I'll say it was worth it because honestly, overall, the movie is not bad. Like it's put together well. There are some shortcomings. There's some stuff that feels like underdeveloped, like Maddie and Emma's relationship. For me, if this is like a big deal, why do we not like like why do I care? like I didn't care about them watching the trailer because there's so many well not so many. Because of the way the trailer is set up, the white girl who Kunle has a crush on, focusing on her so much in the beginning, when we're switching past so many different people at so many different parties, and then we settle on Maddie and Emma, I was like, oh, she's one of them. No, she's not. So it was like, what the fuck are we doing? I don't. The movie never made me care about Maddie. I cared about Emma because we're, we're spending this time with her. We get her stress of like not being accepted by her sister who we don't you know know as her sister yet we get the stress of her being drunk or passed out like how did you get here um possibly being dead so i care about her in the sense that we followed her on this journey oh what's going to happen now but maddie she was just like an evil angry fucking person this whole movie and even her friend and Rafa was like, hey, you're being an ass. We're trying to help you. You're being mean as shit to everybody, the 911 operator, to us, and whatever. And so I never rooted for her. And I'm thinking maybe that was intentional. But with us never having interactions between Maddie and Emma somewhere in the beginning, because it turns out what happened was Emma got drunk, tried to go back to Maddie's house, her sister. Maddie lives two doors down from them, and so she went into the wrong house, and because Carlos didn't lock the door, 
you know, she drunk. She thinking she on the, you know, you're on the right street. You're in the right house. Let me pass out. I get that. I guess I would have wanted a scene where Maddie and Emma are talking or like maybe getting ready to go out or something. And you see this animosity that Maddie has towards Emma because I honestly did not give a fuck. Like introducing these two, introducing Emma just by the trailer. I was like, okay, I'm going to care about her. Like she's, I need to see what happens with her. But even with Maddie through the trailer, I was like, okay, this must be her home girl. And they're all going to go looking for her and they'll end up finding her and whatever. Hilarity ensues. No, Maddie was never likable. Maddie and uh, the issues that she has with her sister, like just saying, oh, I didn't want to hang out with a high schooler. To me, it didn't, and that wasn't enough. I guess I would have wanted to have seen that play out for myself because just saying that doesn't make me believe it or doesn't make me care about it. Like if, it, if I saw it in action and then I got that confession from Emma, like, Oh, I don't think, you know, I think my sister hates me or whatever. Then I'm like, Oh shit. Yeah. Cause she, you know, such and such this and that. I, I just, I don't care. Maddie had no redeeming qualities. And then at the end there was the, um, in credits or in scene where they show up at, the boy's house a couple days later whenever the hell she get out of the hospital with this basket this thank you basket and it was like i don't remember nothing maddie said you took care of me thank you for getting me to the hospital this and that and i thought that was sweet it's like okay yeah you put us through hell and back you fucking child but thanks for the basket it had like bears and chocolate i don't know whatever but then we get to the point where maddie starts to read off this apology which is on this little piece of paper and it's like front and back covered. And they just shut the door on her. Because like, you didn't said all this shit. You did all this shit. And look where we are. You being sorry. You giving this apology does not change what has happened to us. And that we have to live with this. That Kunle is no longer experiencing the innocence he had before. And so they're playing Jenga. And then the original white girl from the beginning of the movie that he has a crush on. Him and her playing Jenga. The boys come into the room it's a cute scene and i like this and like the actual ending of this scene where kunle takes a block off and it doesn't fall and he's putting it back on and then you hear these sirens in the background and his the the camera is going in real tight on his face and he kind of pauses a bit you can see his anxiety like building inside him and then he turns and looks like he, his eyes look at the camera and like the, sh the movie is over like that the third act is what makes this movie worth watching because it i didn't like it i'll just say i did not like it i felt like things could have been done differently but then again you know sundance it was well reviewed real received and you know people like it and let me know what you think because just because i don't like it don't mean that it's you know a terrible movie i feel that it's not great or wasn't done well and had potential but i'd like to know what you guys think did you enjoy this movie uh, do you agree with any of my um, issues or comments about the movie is there something that you're like no this was done well or this is what I got from it like even if you got something different and you love this movie I'm not mad at you I would like to know you know why or what parts did you enjoy or even if it's something that I mentioned that's like no you, you're looking at it wrong it was this that and the third because I don't you know it's art at the end of the day it's art 
and art is going to be critiqued even my own my books my podcast things that i produce are going to be critiqued so i'm not like hating the director and the writer it's just this movie was not good to me well that's all i got for you folks um this was this was an interesting watch let me know if you liked the movie um if you didn't cool use the hashtag cbn pod uh hit me up on twitter carefree blurred uh, all of the social media carefree black nerd and hit me up on that tiktok you know what i'm saying follow me there follow me follow me uh carefree blurred is the handle on tiktok as well and just stay tuned oh Tom Swift, getting to that Tom Swift, uh, watching that, live tweeting on Tuesdays, recording live on Thursdays with Marcus, uh, Loose as a Deuce, and we are uh, getting into the, the whole Tom Swift of it all. But thank you guys so much for listening in. Uh, use that hashtag CBMPod. Let me know how you feel. Hit me up online. Twitter is the most immediate way to get in touch with me. If you must, you can email me at carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com. You got a little bit more to say. And uh, until next time, stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky. <laughs> All right, y'all.